Have you ever seen something that you were so excited by that you, you couldn't help telling other people about it because you wanted them to enjoy it as well? Uh, maybe you've been on a bushwalk where you took in a particularly spectacular, a particularly breathtaking view and afterward uh, you went home and you told other people they've got to go and see it for themselves. Uh, maybe you've seen a movie or a show that you really enjoyed and you've gone and shared it with other people, you've recommended it to a bunch of people since. Uh, this happened at our place last week. It was Tor's birthday last Sunday. He turned six. But a couple of days before his birthday, our three-year-old daughter, Paris, she saw some of his presents, and she was so excited by what she saw that she couldn't contain herself. She literally couldn't keep it in, and so she kept blurting out what the presents were, and we kept catching her, getting the other kids and bringing them along to see the presents as well so they could share in the excitement. Because sometimes things are just like that, aren't they? They're so exciting, you can't keep it in. You want to share it with as many people as you can. The reason I mention that is because in today's passage, we'll find that Peter has seen something he's excited about and he just can't keep it in. He wants others to enjoy it as well. It turns out that Peter has had a glimpse of the power and the majesty and the glory that Jesus will have when he comes again. And he's excited about it. Now, of course, not everyone will be excited about the power and coming of Jesus. Next week in chapter 2, we'll read about those people who knew Jesus but who turned their backs on him, the thought of the power and coming of Jesus is a scary thought for people like that. But friends, this morning, Peter wants us to be excited about the power and coming of Jesus. He wants us to enjoy it. He wants us to look forward to it. And that's why he starts by giving us a reminder, a reminder of all the things we thought about last week, a reminder to be productive in our knowledge of Jesus. So let's have a look. We'll pick it up from 2 Peter Chapter 1 and verse 12. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure you will always be able to remember these things. Now, Peter clearly wants to give a reminder in those verses. You can see it there at the start of verse 12. He says, I will always remind you of these things. Even though you already know it, I will always remind you. He says it again in verse 13. I think it's right to refresh your memory. That is to remind you, as long as I live in the tent of this body, as long as I'm alive, I'm going to keep reminding you. But even more than that, he doesn't just want to remind them as long as he's alive. He wants them to remember even after he's dead. Verse 15. I'll make every effort to see that after my departure, that is after I've died, you will always be able to remember these things. He really wants to give them a reminder. But it's not the kind of you know, nagging, annoying reminder uh, that you sometimes get. It's a, it's a loving kind of relational reminder because he's speaking to dear friends. This is the kind of reminder that a father might give to his children. It's the kind of reminder that it happens at our place all the time. I often remind my kids to brush their teeth. Pretty well every time we cross the road, I remind them to be careful and look both ways before they step onto the road. Multiple times a day, I remind them to speak lovingly to each other and to be kind and humble in the way they treat others. And I keep on reminding those things, not just because I want to nag them and be annoying, but because I love them, because I want what's best for them and because I actually want them to get to a point where they can remember those things for themselves. That's kind of like what Peter's doing here. He keeps on reminding them, he keeps on refreshing them 
because he loves them and because he wants them to always remember. Now, what is it that he wants them to remember? Well, in verse 12, he says, I will always remind you of these things. Now, what are these things? Well, it's the things we thought about last week. Remember back in verse 10, Peter said, if you do these things, you will never fall. He wants to remind them of the things we thought about last week. So do you remember the things we thought about last week? Peter wants to remind them, and maybe he wants to remind us, that through the knowledge of God and of Jesus, they've been given grace and peace in abundance. He wants to remind them that through the knowledge of Jesus, they've been given everything they need for life and godliness. He wants to remind them to be productive in their knowledge of Jesus, to make every effort to add to their faith goodness and and brotherly kindness and self-control and perseverance. He wants to remind them that if they possess those qualities in increasing measure, then they will be effective. They will be productive in their knowledge of Jesus. Peter really wants to remind them to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour and to live now with Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. In fact, in verse 15, which is a wonderfully warm and pastoral verse, I think, he says, I will make every effort to remind you to make every effort. I will make every effort to make sure that you always remember to be productive in your knowledge of Jesus. Now, if he wants to remind them of these things, why does he so badly want to remind them of that? Well, he wants to remind them of these things because of the power and coming of Jesus which is what he says in verse 16. Our translations miss it out, but verse 16 literally starts with because, which means that verse 16 gives the reason for what he said before. So it would be something like this. We'll start from verse 15. I will make every effort to see that after my departure you will always be able to remember these things because we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming Of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why does he want to remind them of everything he said last week? It's because of the power and coming of Jesus. Now, what does that mean? What is the power and coming of Jesus talking about? Well, I think he's talking about Jesus' return, his second coming, the day when Jesus will return or come in power as the judge and the saviour. Now, there are a number of reasons why I think that's what he means. Already back in verse 11, he's spoken about uh, receiving a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus. That's talking about a future time. In verse 19, a few verses later on, he talks about the word of the prophets. (coughs) Excuse me. And he says, you'll do well to pay attention to it until the day dawns. Now, the prophets often spoke about the day, and usually when they spoke about the day, they meant the day of the Lord, a future day when the Lord would come to judge the earth. Those are a few reasons why I think he's talking about the second coming. But perhaps the most compelling reason is that it seems as though Peter wrote this letter in order to counteract the false teaching about the return of Jesus. See, the main thing the false teachers were saying when Peter wrote this letter was that Jesus wouldn't come again. Over in chapter 3, Peter says that in the last days, that's now, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. And guess what they'll be saying? Chapter 3 and verse 4. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. 
They're talking about a coming that hasn't happened yet. The false teachers were saying, in fact, that the coming would never happen. Jesus would never come again. So Peter wrote this letter to reassure his readers that Jesus will come. Now, somehow the fact that Jesus will come, that means that Peter really wants to remind his readers of everything he said last week. Because Jesus is coming, Peter wants to remind them that they know Jesus and he wants to remind them to make every effort to be productive with that knowledge. What's the connection there? Well, I think the connection is Peter knows Jesus is coming, he's sure of that, but together with that, he's also had a glimpse of what Jesus will be like when he comes. He knows Jesus is coming and he knows what he'll be like when he comes. And the glimpse that Peter got was enough for him to know that when Jesus comes, he will come with unimaginable power. And so you want to make every effort now to make sure that when he comes, you're on his right side. Now, how did Peter get a glimpse of the power and majesty of Jesus? Well, let's have a look at verses 17 and 18. But I've got to warn you, there's some weird verses about an even weirder event, an event that Peter was part of, that's sometimes called the transfiguration. Big word. If you want to read more about the transfiguration, you can find it in Matthew 17. But for now, I think the reason Peter even talks about it at all is because the transfiguration gave him a glimpse of Jesus' true nature. What happened at the transfiguration revealed to Peter that when Jesus comes, it will be as the majestic, powerful, glorious king. So let's have a look. We'll pick it up from verse 16 again. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, Peter talks about seeing Jesus' majesty there. How did he see it? Well, it's because of what he says in verse 17. For he received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now, in a sense, Peter saw Jesus' majesty when he saw his appearance being transformed. He saw Jesus' face shining like the sun. He saw his clothes become dazzling white, as bright as the light, whiter than anyone could bleach them. That's pretty majestic. But even more than that, Peter really got a glimpse of Jesus' majesty when he heard God say, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Because those words spoken by God about Jesus, they revealed to Peter the majesty and the power and the glory that Jesus will have when he comes. See, when God said, this is my son, what he was saying was, this is the anointed one. This is the Christ. The nations are his. The ends of the earth belong to him. He will rule over them all forever and he will smash his enemies to pieces. Anyone who is wise will submit to this king because his powerful wrath can flare up in a moment and anyone who takes refuge in him will surely be safe and secure. And when God said, with him I am well pleased, he was saying, this is my servant, the suffering servant, and he will bring justice to the nations. He'll bring salvation to the ends of the earth. This one will be pierced for your transgressions. The punishment that brings you peace will be upon him. By his wounds you are healed. You see what Peter's saying? I was there. 
I'm an eyewitness. I saw it. I heard the voice that came from heaven. I've seen Jesus' majesty. I got a glimpse of the raw power and the fearsomeness of King Jesus, who will judge the earth, who will rebuke his enemies, who will destroy them completely. And I also got a glimpse of the compassion and the humility and the love of the servant Jesus who has borne the punishment of his people so as to bring them peace. What Peter's saying is Jesus is coming and I've seen his power both to judge and to save. And that's why I want you to remember the things we thought about last week. That's why I want you to make every effort to be productive in your knowledge of Jesus. I want you to be prepared for his power and coming. On the 26th of December 2004, I'm sure you remember, a massive tsunami slammed into the coastlines of the countries around the Indian Ocean, taking the lives of more than 280,000 people. Sadly, most of those people had little to no warning of what was coming. They were completely unprepared because at the time, the only tsunami warning system was just intuition. It was based on people feeling the tremors from the earthquake and then running for their lives. In the 12 years since then, teams of scientists and experts have been working on an early warning system so as to give people sufficient warning so that they can get to safety before it's too late. Friends, ever since Genesis 3, God has been implementing his own early warning system, warning people that one day he will fully and finally deal with sin. For a long time, he spoke through the prophets, That's what verses 19, 20 and 21 are about. They predicted that the Messiah would come and defeat his enemies and establish a powerful, glorious kingdom. Today, God has spoken to us through the Apostle Peter. And as we listen to Peter, it's like the warning system, uh, the sirens on that warning system are going off, warning us to get to safety, giving us a chance to be prepared. Because Peter is telling us about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you think a tsunami is powerful, then you ain't seen nothing yet. Because have you heard what Peter's been saying? He saw with his own eyes the majesty of Jesus. He saw Jesus receive honour and glory from God the Father. He heard the voice that came from heaven. This is my son whom I love. He had a glimpse of the sheer power and the fearsomeness of Jesus, the one the prophets spoke about, the sovereign Lord who would come and judge the earth, the one who comes with such power, that, uh, such awesome power that the heavens will disappear with the roar. The elements will be destroyed and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare before him. We have good reason to be terrified at the thought of him coming. But have you really heard what Peter's been saying? Because he also got a glimpse of the compassion and the gentleness and the humility and love of Jesus, the suffering servant. The one who was pierced for our transgressions. The one who will fully and finally rescue us on the day he comes again. And so like Peter, we don't have to be terrified at the thought of him coming. We can actually be excited about it. We can be overjoyed about it. Because if you're one of his people, that will actually be a wonderful day of forgiveness and salvation and rescue. Which again is why Peter wants to remind us of what we thought about last week. 
Because of the power and coming of Jesus, he wants to remind us to grow in our knowledge of Jesus. He wants to remind us to grow in our love for him. He wants to remind us to be effective and productive in that knowledge. So let me ask you again, have you heard what Peter's been saying? Have you really heard? Because if you have, then surely you've been productive in your knowledge of Jesus this past week, haven't you? Have you? Honestly, have you made every effort to grow in goodness and knowledge and perseverance and self-control? Or have you just wasted the past week? Friends, Jesus is coming in power. You've been warned. And it would be a massive, monumental mistake to waste your life not preparing for that. You've probably heard this quote from John Piper before, but it sums up well the foolishness of not preparing for the power and coming of Jesus. I'll show you how to waste your life, he writes. Consider a story from the February edition of Reader's Digest, which tells the story of a couple who took early retirement from their jobs in the northeast five years ago, when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball and collect shells. At first when I read it, I thought it might be a joke, a spoof on the American dream. But it wasn't. Tragically, this was the dream. Come to the end of your life. Your one and only precious God-given life and let the last great work of your life before you give an account to your creator be this. Playing softball and collecting shells. Picture them before Christ at the great day of judgment. Look, Lord, see my shells? That is a tragedy. And people today are spending billions of dollars to persuade you to embrace that tragic dream. Over against that, I put my protest, don't buy it, don't waste your life. Or as Peter would say, Jesus is coming in power. Don't waste your life. Instead, be productive and effective in your knowledge of him. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love. So let me ask you again, honestly, have you wasted the past week of your life? Have you been at all productive in your knowledge of Jesus? Have you remembered to invite people to the men's DIY event and the ladies' showcase? Have you remembered to to make every effort to be self-controlled? Have you made every effort not to get as angry as easily? And if you have become angry, have you made every effort to control yourself and to calm? And have you been the one to take the initiative to resolve the conflict? Have you remembered to grow in goodness this week? Have you deliberately and purposefully tried to be Christ-like in front of others? Have you made every effort to show your faith in active goodness and kindness? Have you grown in knowledge this week? Have you read a good Christian book that's helped you to better understand and appreciate Jesus? That's, That's a big ask. Maybe you've just read a short article. You have at least opened the Bible this week, haven't you? Because if you haven't, maybe you have wasted the last week. Have you remembered to grow in perseverance? Have you been a little less anxious 
Have you doubted a little less? Have you trusted in Jesus a little more? Have you made every effort to grow in love this week? Have you been less irritable, less impatient? Have you been less judgment, judgmental, more gracious, more forgiving? Have you worked really hard not to say those things that are hurtful, but just to say those things that are useful for building others up and encouraging them? Look, I guess what I'm really asking is, if you take an honest look at the past week, has knowing Jesus made any difference at all? Because knowing Jesus and being productive with that knowledge, it matters. Knowing Jesus should make a difference. Now, I realise this is sounding a lot like last week's sermon, but I'm not at all sorry for that. Instead, like Peter, I think it's right to refresh your memory. It's right to refresh my memory. Because Jesus is coming in power. As a majestic and glorious king, he's coming to judge the earth. And that's a scary prospect. But it can also be an exciting prospect. Because if you know Jesus, if you're productive and effective in your knowledge of him, then when he comes, you'll receive a rich welcome into his eternal kingdom. And that's why this morning Peter has made every effort to see that we will always be able to remember these things. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, we know that those words you spoke are true, that Jesus is your son, he's the Christ, the ends of the earth belong to him and he rules over everyone and everything forever and there is a day coming when he will return to judge the earth, when the earth and everything in it will be laid bare before him and he will judge in righteousness and truth. Father, that's a scary thought because we know our own hearts and we know our own sin. And yet, Father, we thank you also for the wonderful truth that the one who is the judge is also our saviour, that he has brought salvation to to the nations, to the ends of the earth, that he's been pierced for our iniquities, the punishment that brought peace has been upon him. And so, Father, we pray, please help us to grow in our knowledge of Jesus, to grow in our love for him, and to be effective and productive in that knowledge, to show our faith by the way that we live. Father, help us to wait well for him to come. We don't want to be unprepared. And so please help us never to forget these things. We pray these things in his name. Amen.